Please turn with me to the passage on which today's teaching is based. It's printed uh, in your bulletins as well. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And this is God's word. Good morning, everybody. My name is Josh, as you heard. I'm a a pastoral intern here at Metro, and um, I'm just incredibly honored and grateful and privileged to be able to share God's word with you today. It's been uh, truly an amazing journey for me personally. I remember coming through those doors about five years ago and um, really not knowing uh, why I was coming here. And I remember that there was just a uh, a deep longing and search for uh, something better and something more um, renewing and restoring that um, I come to find out came through the gospel of grace. Uh, I just want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day today. It, it really is an amazing day to be able to celebrate our fathers and uh, celebrate our spiritual fathers, our, our fathers and our, even our mothers who uh, really parented us, loved us, sacrificed for us, cared for us in ways that we uh, were so undeserving. So I do want to wish a happy Father's Day to my spiritual father, pa- our pastor, Donnie Cho, who um, I'm sure ha- I have caused him plenty of headaches uh, over the past few years, just, um, just being a very immature man in faith. And uh, over these past few years, I've seen incredible growth from, um, from the pouring out and the demonstration of the gospel, and not just the preaching of it, but the actual living of it as well. Um, so I want to thank my church community and uh, allowing me to have this opportunity to bring God's word to you. Um, so If you guys will, just once again, join me in one more prayer, and then we'll dive right into God's Word, yeah? Dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, you know that I am weak. You know that I am broken. You know that I lack the strength to uh, carry on the burden of this call. Uh, Lord, I pray that you use me to, uh, Lord, speak your Word boldly, speak it with humility. Lord, that... um, Lord, that I will be small and that Christ will be big. Uh, Lord, that the, the preacher will shrink. Um, but Lord, the Christ that is preached will be um, heard by all ears and seen by all eyes. Uh, so Lord God, give us this day um, to uh, just really dwell in your place that you provide for us. Uh, so Lord, we thank you for all these things and we praise your son's mighty name. Amen. So if you have been with us these past few weeks, you would know that we have started a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, and um, I have been incredibly blessed to just hear the words of our pastors um, preaching on what it is that we pray and why we need to pray. And in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching us uh, really that prayer is, is way more than we actually think it is. Uh, 
I believe a, a shallow view of, of prayer is uh, sometimes viewed as um, just asking for things and asking to uh, obtain more things from God uh, or um, pray when we are in desperate need of uh, a change in our life circumstances. Um, but really, Jesus is teaching us that we have more than enough, that we have all the grace that we need, and it's through the gospel and it's through Christ. And in light of those things, we, we pray in response to the gospel that we have received. And uh, we don't pray vain prayers or, or selfish prayers, but rather we're praying sacrificial and selfless prayers. And uh, really, when we look at the Lord's Prayer, what, what we see is Jesus is teaching us to pray to be more like him. That's why we begin our Lord's Prayer with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It is because of Jesus that we are now welcome into God's family and we are viewed as children of God. Through Christ, we are able to look to God as our Father, but we are also able to look at him as our King. So on one hand, he is loving and gracious, but on the other hand, he is all-powerful and has all authority to pardon debts. Now, because of these things and in light of these things, hallow be your name. We worship him. We no longer hallow our own name, but we rather hallow his name. And then we move into verse 10. We continue our prayer with, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, in light of all these things, in light that we have a good father, that we have a good king, we are able to carry out his will and pray for these things. Instead of living our lives, my kingdom come and my will be done, we're able to praise God for all that he is doing and, and speak to him and ask him to, to work in us to advance his kingdom and advance his will. Because of all these things, uh, we no longer have to work and tirelessly labor to just gain um, approval through our work and all the other things that we do in our daily lives. And instead of positioning oursel ourselves to gain more power and more approval, Jesus is teaching us that we have true power and true approval in the positions that we are in in Christ. In verse 11, we see the first petition in the Lord's Prayer where uh, we know that God is a provider, that he is sovereign, that he is... Um, just providing everything that we need so we are able to come to him knowing that we have access to him and ask, ask him to sustain us. And in today's message, we're going to concentrate on verse 11, and we are going to see why we pray forgiveness and why Jesus teaches us, why Jesus teaches us it's, it's so important to pray this. So we're going to look over three main points about forgiveness today. We're going to ask ourselves uh, three questions and uh, really kind of unpack the idea of what forgiveness is. And our, our three points are going to be uh, it's costly, it's for us, and it demands a response. So the three points we're going to look at is it's costly, it's for us, and it demands a response. So our first point, it's costly. You know, this, this week I've been trying to find a, a, a 
a good way to draw an illustration where I can capture the audience and, and really bring them into this story and this narrative of redemption. And um, I was overthinking it. You know, sometimes you, you study at seminary and uh, you, you study for hours upon hours of theology and, and you, you kind of forget and miss the message of the gospel. So if I can be completely candid with you and um, transparent. Uh, I thought it was very ironic that um, our pastors allowed me to preach on a day like Father's Day about a message about forgiveness. You see, for me, growing up, forgiveness is still an idea that I struggle with even today. And on a day like Father's Day where I had no father, where my father was completely absent from my life, I just thought it was very ironic you see, at a young age, at the age of, I was about eight or nine, um, I remember, I still remember that day where uh, my parents sat me down and, you know, at that time, you don't really know what's going on. You're still just a kid. There's a lot of uh, confusion and you just know something's wrong. And I remember uh, my father sat me down and he said, uh, he said to me, son, um, you're going to go live with your mom. And, you know, I'll try to see you whenever I can, but, uh, you know, now, now you're the man of the house. And I remember, I was just like, what? What do you want me to do? You know, I was nine years old. There was, there was nothing, nothing that I had in me that can match the standard of which my father had asked me to do. So I became angry. I became bitter. My heart was unforgiving, and I didn't know how to live my life. But in the same way, I think this is an issue that we all deal with. Having an unforgiving heart causes us to be extremely angry and extremely bitter at not only the people that have wronged us, but in our entire lives and the people that we come across every day. This anger can be uh, extremely paralyzing and draining. Um, it can develop into a type of hatred that you have in your heart. And it causes you to uh, live a life, a, a selfish life, a, a life of entitlement. And because you cannot trust people, ultimately, you treat people poorly. You're afraid that getting too close to somebody that person will hurt you. So you either choose not to truly get close to somebody or you completely disregard them as a whole. Having an unforgiving heart doesn't lead to us being community dependent, but it actually makes us independent from community. So we're talking about the consequences of having an unforgiving heart. And one of those consequences is resentment and anger, envy and jealousy. Uh, we, we think those things actually uh, do us more good, but it really doesn't. It does us more harm. Uh, those things feel good. It, it's, it's similar to, uh, um, you know, having a drink or drug, right? Because when, you, when you're hurt, when you've been damaged by somebody who has betrayed you or when somebody has done wrong to you, you have this pain that sits inside the pit of your stomach and you don't know where to put it, right? And what we end up doing is when we become angry and we become resentful for those people who have wronged us, 
it actually feels good, right? We feel safe in that space. And we think that anger and resentment is like harming the other person, but really it's like drinking poison and expecting it to harm that person when it really harms us. But then there's another side to it, right? Because we're not perfect people and we are somebody that actually betrays others as well. We, we deal with a lot of baggage and we have a lot of hurts that we've experienced in our lives, but at the same time, um, to the people that we look up to the most, to the people that we're closest with, we actually let them down. We let our fathers down. We let our mothers down. We let our friends down. And when we let our friends down or our loved ones down, uh, we feel like there is a great chasm, a great split, right? Um, that's why we tirelessly work for those relationships. We try to uh, improve the split that has been caused by us and by doing so, we are just trying to close that gap through our good deeds and through uh, showing our care for the people that we love. But no matter how hard we try, we're, we're unable to uh, really capture back the hearts of our loved ones. We're, we're kind of um, tirelessly working uh, for something that uh, we can never accomplish on our own, right? Um, you know, one of the... Uh, most nerve-wracking things about today for me is, uh, is having my mother here. And uh, <laughs> I, I love my mom. And, um, you know, my mom gave up her life for me and, and sacrificed for me in ways that uh, were so undeserving. And there became a point in my life where I was riddled with guilt and shame for uh, my lack of uh, obedience, my lack of uh, real demonstrating of care and love back to her. And, um, and I realized after years of trying to pay that, back that love that um, I would never be able to do it. I would never be able to match that same love that she provided for me. I would never be able to uh, get to that point where I made things right, right? Now, I shared in the best way I could to unpack why forgiveness is hard. At the end of the day, forgiveness is hard because it's costly. It takes uh, a life for forgiveness to be gained. Our second point, we'll move quickly into it, that true forgiveness is actually for us. We see whatever side of the spectrum you land on when it comes to forgiveness we all need it. We're all in desperate need of it. And our understanding of forgiveness to be a payment, it drives us to view everything in our lives to require a purchase. So whether you consider yourself to be a religious person or a irreligious person or a spiritual but not religious person, we all have this deep emptiness and void that we are constantly trying to fill every day in our lives. And every time we try to fill this, this void and this emptiness, we become more hungry. And everything that we do never lasts. It is very temporary, and we start to get disappointed with where our lives are going. See, at the end of the day, forgiveness, a desire for forgiveness is really a desire for our approval. 
And that's why we're always chasing after these things. Now, when we really think about it, um, I gave a few personal illustrations of, of what betrayal uh, really does to the person who has been betrayed and the one that uh, does the betraying. Um, you know, we, we, look at, we look at God and, and, and creation and, and how that started in Genesis 1. And uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and um, everything was good. You know, he created man and woman and he said, this is good. He said, this is really good. And everything functioned and worked together properly in ways that we could never imagine. But in Genesis 3, we see that Adam and Eve, the first man, had fallen. They have forgotten what God had provided for them. They had convinced themselves that there was more to what they had already have been given. And because of their fall, we experience brokenness today, right? That's why our relationships are broken. That's why even our workplaces are broken, our households are broken, our churches are broken, right? We have to be able to see that clearly that this world that we live in is broken beyond anything that we can do to fix, right? But after the fall, when Adam and Eve fell, they realized that they were naked. And uh, what they would do is they would try to cover themselves up with uh, fig leaves. I think a lot of us know that narrative. Um, and when you see that happen, we actually see ourselves in that same imagery. We see that through our workplaces, through our relationships, through uh, how we do life at church with our uh, church members, that we are constantly looking to cover ourselves up, cover our nakedness up, cover our guilt and our shame. We think that we are able to uh, just able to just act like we are not naked ourselves, and it's it's a lie that we live in. Um, and and you know. One of, uh, one of the things that I think about when, um, when we are trying to make up for, for these things, uh, you know, one of, one of my favorite things to do is watch superhero movies, man. And, um, you know, the reason why I, I love superhero movies and the reason why it's so intriguing to me is because uh, we look at superhero movies as the hero versus the villain, right? And uh, a lot of times we think that the tension is um, between two characters, uh, the good guy and the bad guy. And, uh, but the reason why superhero movies are so intriguing to me is because there's an indwelling tension between each character, right? Um, you know, you'll have uh, the hero who um, puts a moral standard for himself and thinks that through saving people or saving his city and his community, that he is matching up to this standard of being good, right? Whereas uh, the villain, um, usually for the most part, had experienced some type of trauma at an early age and uh, became angry and bitter and envious and 
wanted the, the world to feel the consequences that he was feeling at that time. Um, but when you really think about it, both characters are very much the same, right? And, and they're the same because both characters are still working to achieve some sense of approval, some sense of forgiveness for what they have done. Even if you look at uh, heroes like Batman, right? And Batman versus the Joker, <laughs> one of my favorite movies. It's, uh, it's funny because you know that deep down, they're no different. That when we compartmentalize people on this side or that, we know that we're all the same. We're all in desperate need of uh, the approved, approval, the forgiveness of debts, and uh, just a, uh, some sort of righteousness that we think we could obtain on our own. But because we know that we're unable to do it, we can just simply look at our lives and uh, realize that uh, no matter how hard we try, uh, no matter um, how much effort we put in to uh, kind of get to the point where we want to get to, um, it's never enough. Uh, it, it is, it is a, a deep betrayal in everything that God has provided for us. When we say that God is our good father and that he is our king, that means we owe him. That means we owe obedience to him. And we miss that point. We miss it all the time. Now, we know that forgiveness is costly that forgiveness is for us. Now, how do we get true forgiveness, right? When we see Jesus at the cross, Jesus was a king and he was righteous. Jesus was the only one who could pray or pay the debt of sin. But what did he do to purchase our forgiveness? He purchased it by giving himself up and completely emptying himself, taking on our sin and taking on anger, envy, hate, when he was carrying his cross up on that hill, he, he prayed to the Father and he said, Father, forgive them. And the same people that were murdering him, he interceded for his forgiveness. And the crowd yelled out at him, if you truly are the Son of God, then save yourself. Prove it to us. And Jesus proved it to us by saving us and giving himself up. Now, if this truth is sitting with you, then it leads us to our third and final point. What does it demand? Uh, the one thing you cannot do is just sit and ignore truth. Jesus Christ did not give his life up in order that we may stay the same and do absolutely nothing, right? He did something so that we would look different, that we would look more like him. The way to death is to ignore and do nothing, but the way to life is to respond to grace. We were once dead in our trespasses, and now we are made new and alive in Christ. And it really is a beautiful thing. You know, um, as my anxiety is still kicking, I thought it was going to lower down a little bit, right? But... Um, you know, I just want to talk to you guys as a friend, right? Um, man, this past week was a grueling week for me trying to prepare a good sermon. You come up here and you want to sound like a good preacher and you know that you lack incredibly. And um, I just want to remind you guys 
of the grace that is given to us every day and the access that we have. And there are two things I want us to walk away that um, when we look at verse 12, Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And here he is saying that it is, uh, a, an, it's not forgive us our debts and then we'll think about forgive, forgiving our debtors, but rather God is a forgiving God and we have forgiveness through him. That through repentance and faith and through prayer, we can have access to him. Martin Luther, one of the uh, founding fathers of the Reformation, simply puts it, all of life is repentance. All of life is repentance. That we will struggle to forget this gospel message and carry on to try to bring our glory. And in the ways that we are doing that, we're able to kind of submit to what Christ has already done, and we pray. And we can pray specifically, right? So the two things that we should do in response, what the gospel demands us to do, is pray and forgive others. And in light of all this, I appreciate you guys bearing with me uh, today. And um, really, if you call Metro your home, I just want to encourage you guys to uh, really partner with us as we look ahead to um, just minister to our city in Philadelphia, to be a forgiving people because we are a forgiven people, to be able to listen, love, and tenderly care for one another, knowing that that has been done for us. In light of all this, we, uh, we just hope that um, you can pray for us, that uh, you can um, really join us in mission and uh, come together, worship, make disciples, and bask in, in the glory of Christ. Let's pray.